What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. A bit horse. I apologize. We are here to talk about the upset that the Dogs had over the Sycamores this past weekend. One that we, of course, did not predict or assume that the Dogs could do. But they, of course, proved us wrong in getting their first their first uh, uh, ranked win in nine seasons. I'm Nate Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, it's it's been a while since this since this went over Wichita and a long time ago. We did not think this would happen. They did not have Jason Kent. They definitely played at the start of this game like they did not need him at all. And I wasn't able to go to this game. I was under the weather. Uh, but you went. You got to celebrate it after the fact. Um, a lot of things that we said happened for you know for this game. The you know before, in between, everything. And I hate to say it, definitely lived up to it, and it got to the Sycamores because it, it it kept making them play like they hadn't been all season, and getting their you know second straight loss, which has put the Valley in a weird spot as well. But no, it was our most complete effort, and a lot of people contributed and. They're playing their best. It seems like now they're playing their best of the season. What's going on? Yeah, that's obviously a good start to finally try to put together a 40-minute performance, and that's exactly what they did on Saturday. I know it wasn't off to their best start, um, but I felt like both ends, they they competed their butts off and felt like going going into it, it was just like waiting to hear – or waiting to see is Jason Kitt. He wasn't even there, did not travel. Um, but just waiting to hear that news. And it was kind of like going back to the road game at Drake. Once we heard the news, no end rider Garland. We're like, all right, let's not just compete. Let's win this thing. Um, as a fan, obviously the team goes in and thinks they can win every game. But um, wait and see exactly. I, I just think that once the spread came out, it was a lot lower than I expected. And if they could keep it around that, even with even with Kent playing, just, I mean, hang around there, and that's all we could ask for in the end. And But they, they did it. They pulled it off. It was a pretty good crowd. I think it was 6,019 people that got to saw this game. And, uh, yeah, they we stormed the court afterwards. It was the slowest court storming in history. But, um, obviously, with the Murray State stuff last year, they, they have – Got security down there and held us back for the most part. But it was a great time celebrating that. And obviously, it was great seeing these guys start finally start to put something together and something they can build on, obviously, taking everything they've learned the last couple of weeks and put it together finally. It's a thing, building off of it. And it really means nothing if they don't continue this the rest of the way, as we know. So we don't, we don't want the guys to get too high. And I'm sure they're going to get preached to that, you know, they can't. Of course, we have a big game tomorrow. We'll talk about the racers at the end. But uh, I'm upset I couldn't go to this game, of course. And, you know, in the back of my mind thinking, you know, okay, not sure how this could go. It's okay if I would miss it. Um, But because of how up and down this league is that, you know, we talked about what they did against Illinois State. It's actually shocking. And then they come in our place. You know, they proved – against Illinois State that, of course, they needed Kent. But, again, they played at the start of this one that they didn't, and really Robbie dominated for most of it. But, uh, you know, again, overall, and when we get to the wider scope after the fact, uh, you know, of course, this is one that's, you know, because of how bad they've been playing at home, that's, uh, 
it just it would be it would be them. I don't know if we talked about in the preview. It's like it would be this team to somehow win this game then and go the one and one that we thought they'd go if they could have won at Belmont. That was a little you know hard to say. I think realistically it should have been like okay, hey, let's let's just try at home to pounce on this team, knowing how hard Belmont is on the road, and let's just see what happens. But getting getting after you know out of this one and one was phenomenal for what we know down the road. We'll get to that near the end, but. Of course, yeah, they had Jeremy Chen and Ryan Neal at this game, uh, signing autographs. They sat courtside. Just the vibes were great. They had the Bob Odenkirk stuff. All of it was great. And, you know, it kind of, again, it was uh, – we didn't start well at all. I mean, our first points – Clarence had our first five points. And <laughs> – excuse me, and it was a uh, a bank in three at the start. But, again, we couldn't stop Robbie. He was getting whatever he wanted. This was also a game, of course, that saw, you know, Conwell, Swope didn't really play their best. Uh, kind of, you know, their previous performance kind of carried over, I, I would say, in this one. Um, no, what were the vibes like at the start of the game? You know, when Robbie was got, you know, get going and our offense was slow. It took a Clarence Bank in three to really get us on the board and do anything, really. Um But again, it, we expected the Sigmunds to play better and they started that way because of how – Josh talked about him, how how they just wanted to get back and go. And just knowing how we were playing as well, Noah, this couldn't have been like a more surprising, obviously ending. It wasn't a surprising start because, again, they were dominated. They got a couple of double-digit leads at the start. What were the vibes like in there? And your thoughts on how we were defending Robbie, what he was able to do, and who even was playing good for us. Pretty much in that first half, we clawed back and then got it to that, to that reasonable deficit at halftime. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest start, like I said earlier, about putting a full 40 minutes together. But felt like for the most, I mean, we got good looks. I thought Troy had some good looks there early. Uh, he got a he got a steal there early, but X missed a three off of it. Um, but Clarence was really doing a nice job early to be aggressive like he was when we went up there to Terre Haute and um, didn't get Robbie in foul trouble, but he was aggressive early and they traded threes early on. And they jumped out to a little bit of a league with Robbie just um, getting what he wanted. I mean, he had layups, or if he wanted to pick and pop, he was getting an open look. But um, we switched a little bit of defense later in the later, I'd say in the second half. Um, that done a lot, a lot better um, because he had some tough, a lot of tough shots inside over Troy or over Clarence, whoever was guarding him, because we did a lot of switching and he got a lot of mats matchups in that second half he wanted to um they could answer down the stretch with just he would get an x on him he'd get troy on him um just other guys but in that first half i thought for the most part obviously there was the big play at the end with uh jared getting the tip in um at the buzzer is a good play call um but in that first half for us you really saw x he was pretty aggressive I mean, Troy was hitting hitting shots in that first half. Um, AJ was doing all right, but it was really off of X, X Clarence and Troy. Um, Trent was struggling, one of six from the field. He was one of five. He got in a little bit of trial trouble. Him and Clarence both got two fouls in that first half. We got to see more of Scotty and Kennard and Jarrett. Only played a couple minutes, but in that first out, only had five turnovers. We limited turnovers for the most part. We forced seven of theirs. But for them, outside of Robbie with 19 points, he was eight of 11, eight of 11 for the 
from the field and the three shots he missed was three, three threes. He was two of five from that, but um, Swope took a lot of tough jumpers that we've seen him hit throughout the year, but the last week or week and a half or so he hasn't hit. And I just thought Conwell, if you, obviously you got to listen to it, but me, we watching it back on Sunday, listen to Dan Moeller. He wasn't aggressive, aggressive enough in that first half. You saw him get more aggressive in that second half trying to take some more shots because Swope was taking bad shots. Julian Larry is struggling from the field. He struggled shooting here lately as well. I'd say for those two smaller guards, the guys they have to guard, they're starting to wear down, obviously, with all the minutes they play. But outside of Robbie Avila, I mean, Jake Wolf was really good in that first half for them. Uh, he had a big 3-2. He had five five points. Had some okay moments and uh, was really good, but it was – Definitely that first half story was all about Rob. And uh, I was just trying to chip away at their lead. They got kind of, I think, their biggest lead of that first half. Got out to an 11-point lead, and we were just trying to hang in there. I just I just kept telling the guys I was with and telling everybody, hang in there. That's all we can ask for. We'll make our run in the second half, and that we did. Yeah, and it's the biggest disparity, you know, in a lot of different ways, player-wise, team-wise, definitely defensive-wise. You said the low turnover. and Keep an eye out for the second-half turnover for, you know, on us. And, and you know, you said it there with a couple of the three guys that were carrying, as you mentioned, the also the, the, the final play of the first half with Jared. And, again, it's one of those designed – uh, inbounds things that we never really see us do with that sideline baseline. And it was the perfect way to use a guy like Jared Hensley. It was the one time where there was nothing to complain about with Troy throwing the inbounds pass of any way. And you had nothing to lose with like 0.9 seconds left and threw it up and Jared, just an easy tip in and it, it changed everything. And, you know, they, I know, I just remember shirts was upset yelling at somebody on the defense about, guarding it and everything and again that just swung it all and it got you to that only six point deficit uh yeah besides you know not being able to hold Robbie with 19 first half points you did pretty well on everybody else you said you know holding Swope to tough shots yeah he wasn't getting those like step back threes he would usually hit or something like that he wasn't again he just wasn't really playing his best some more notable things of the first half was uh Derek Vorst who has played off and on, as we know, through the season. Played well when Robbie was in foul trouble in that first matchup. And he – I mean, he was guarding Scotty in the paint, so he only played a minute. And it's not like he did anything that impactful, but he very well could have. And there was a play where uh, he got called for a moving screen, and it was on Kennard, and they hit knees, and Vorst was down holding his knee and didn't come back into the game. Uh, Kennard, of course, was fine because he's tougher than anybody out there. But that – not saying that would have changed the game, but it would change a lot of different things that made Robbie play more down the stretch to be, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, obviously winded because Josh said he didn't want to play Bledson at the five because of how big bodies that we had, even though personally I think Bledson could have done fine in some, in some facets because we saw him do it the first game. Um, and then you said it there with Wolf. I think Wolf came in and played really well. He hit a three. He had yeah five points in the first half. He was passing it well. The high lows were working with him and Robbie. It was – everything was. And they had a 13-point lead around the six-minute mark was that's how how big it got to. Um, and they went on a 7-0 run. 
at that one point. But yeah, got it within six. And as you said there, you were texting me and you said you were telling everybody else, just just play in this game. Just don't get blown out. Don't fall too hard in the net and all that stuff. Clearly don't just don't get embarrassed at home. So of course, again, that swung everything for sure. Uh, and then leading into the, the second half, I mean, just going back and remembering, you know, Kennard didn't score in the first half. And Kennard had one of the biggest explosions of do it all you could ever imagine. Not only was he hitting the, the biggest of key threes, he was diving on the floor. He was, you know, diving on the floor and, and obviously in a way that makes like for a scrounge of the ball that ends up going our way. He would also get a steal and get a layup on the other end. I mean, it, it's crazy seeing because, I mean, no, we, we've been following him for, you know, obviously two years since he's not two years, about a year and a half now since he's been committed. And we saw him play a couple of times in high school. We've been more attached and, you know, we've never been this attached to a player coming in and, you know, ever. And we've, you know, we've already talked about this in the wider scope, but just knowing and seeing him be this great and be what we know, the kind of player that he is, is honestly special. And he had some, he played, made some special plays in this game. Uh, game, absolute game changing place. Again, some of the big threes he was, he was hitting were phenomenal. AJ had his own little run in this game. He had a breakaway dunk that was that was sick. Uh, but Noah Troy, Troy could all, there could be a, a lot of dogs of the game in this one. Troy though was phenomenal. He, you know, he was one of seven from three, but the one he hit in the second half was massive, and he was hitting the shots that the defense was giving him when Indiana State would go to a kind of a soft zone. We were splitting it a little bit. Got Troy at the free throw line. He was hitting those free throw line shots. I want to say he hit like three of them. And, of course, he was hitting his free throws, too. He ended up with 15. No turnovers for Troy. and had a block and a steal. Had a huge sideline block, the same kind we've been seeing in Oklahoma State and other games like that. Um, I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, Noah Scotty had some moments in this one. Uh, other than that, though, Jarrett, Kennard, uh, and Troy seem like the biggest uh, whatever's in this game. I mean, X clearly had some, uh, you know, big plays down the stretch to, you know, give us the lead as well uh so know your i guess everything with your with your dog in the game your overall you know final thoughts and how clearly this second half just we just took absolute charge like i said what you know i mentioned what the vibes would have been in the first half you know kind of easy going like yeah we're still in this and then clearly what they were in that latter stretch when we were four you know uh turning the sycamores over all this stuff that bled into what became a w but like i said a, a key effort because literally everybody contributed I guess you could say Trent, who was in foul trouble, didn't play down the stretch. You could also mention that if you want about how that worked, how you, we had Kennard and AJ both in there, and it just worked kind of, uh, even without one of our most important players in Trent. Know uh, your overall wider scope and, I guess, final thoughts of, you know, this this massive, massive game. Yeah, Trent did get in foul trouble, and it felt – it just felt like down the stretch that certain things were – keeping them ahead and I mean obviously Robbie Robbie got a lot of calls and there was a ticky tack when he got X switched onto him and he got a ticky tack call on X. The next next time they got the switch, X drew a charge and he sold it a little bit and Robbie I mean he was getting any call he wanted. I mean Conwell was just driving and getting to the free throw line. He ended up eight of eight from that free throw line. Um they shot fifteen second half free throws compared to our eight 
I mean, we shot only shot 14 in the game, so they shot as many second half free throws as we did in the game. But really defensively, it really set the tone. And we had 10 steals in the game. Kennard had three. AJ had four. Um, they had 16 turnovers to our seven. We only had two second half turnovers. We were getting good looks, and we finally had some guys knock down some key threes we've been looking for the last several weeks Troy Kennard the ones we've needed and they finally stepped up knocked them down Kennard I think Kennard Davis if you look at this game and this is what kind of who we saw beginning of the year before AJ came back and this is a guy everybody a lot of probably Saluki fans thought that we would see um, maybe not 12 points a game but that kind of effort from him in extended minutes, we'd see his freshman year and he would be in the running for an all freshman team. But with AJ's development and coming back, it just, he got kind of pushed to the side and he got treated when he came off the bench. If he made a minor mistake, he was coming right out with a short leash. So it's just one of those things where he gets extended minutes because of Trent Brown's foul trouble. It just shows you what kind of player he can be and the confidence this guy can get. And Brian was asked, uh, by think Bucky Dent on the teleconference yesterday. Could that be a breakout game for Moo? And uh, it, I mean, honestly, he could take this and build on it just like the team can. But yeah, this is obviously a big win. This is the one and one we needed, like you said earlier, um, to upset a team and put the final seal and final touches on. It's going to be a one bid Valley, whoever wins in St. Louis, but puts us in where we want to be. We're, if you look at the standings, you're one game out of third, but puts you in a driver's seat and you control your own destiny for that fourth seat. So if I were going to the dog of the game, I know pregame I picked Choi and he was the player of the game. He talked afterwards, but I'd say Kennard Davis and those guys off the bench would be, I'd go with Kennard on this one. Yeah. And back to what you said about, yeah, back to where, what he was at the start of the season, you know, when AJ was hurt and he was, and he was starting, like it was valuable, valuable time for him. And it's crazy because we went to the season and obviously we would have expected from RJ and AJ's development, what we heard and everything else. It's like, it's Kennard even going to play. And then here he is. And he's, you know, he's, he's one of the, you know, there's freshmen around the league that have had more minutes than him. Um, but obviously when he was a starter, he was gaining those 20 or so minutes a game. And he's top – he's clearly top 10, I would think, as freshmen and amongst freshmen in minutes. It's just, yeah, the production hasn't always been there. He hasn't scored in some games to where, yeah, he couldn't get up to that all-freshman kind of team level. Um, but, again, because he was relying on threes too much, like, oh, if he, just a couple of them, you know, you know, got to go or, you know, they're not going to reward a freshman if he gets like the most steals, you know, than any amount. It matters really what you do in the score column. So he didn't really have that for sure. He's the dog of the game for those reasons. Um, but again, even other, just because remembering Jarrett's offensive play at the end of the first half, his defensive play at the end of the second half, blocking Swope when they had a desperation possession, and he got a drive. Jared was behind him, blocked him off the backboard to seal the deal. Just massive, massive plays. And, again, it goes back to, you know, what they hadn't been doing. And, again, you know, people were trying to think that we were just dogging this team, you know, and thinking they were just awful. But we were, were being honest in the things that we see that they're not doing well. And that's not be clutch in a lot of moments offensively and defensively. And, of course, the game against the best team, you actually do it in. 
And of course it lives up to them saying they want to play their best. And it's like, again, you can't have any down moments after this. You need to have this carry over with you the rest of the way. I mean, it's obvious, but that block and some of these shots, incredible. And the free throw making and everything else, it was the clutch moments that we've been saying this team needs to do. And they finally did it. Um, Again, tons of contributors for sure. Yeah, Troy got to talk after. Again, there were three guys. Really, I mean, X ended up with 23. But, of course, the other three guys, we know the dogs of the game, those two guys who officially impact the game in a way that uh, the leading scorer doesn't really have to. But, again, holding the Sycamores to 38% shooting in the second half, you mentioned, I mean, 16 turnovers. We only had seven. Yes, two in the second half is is. It's incredible. Those are the kind of games you expect to win clearly if you because again, what I mean, the stat of Brian's record. We mentioned Brian's record against bad uh, you know, against the good teams and the bad teams in his career, but obviously the record, of course, when we score over 70 points is it's incredible too. It looks kind of like the record against the bad teams that he has. It's really good. So obviously scoring over 70 and only score and turning it over less than 10 times, that usually constitutes a win at the end of the day. And and of course, their eight guys that played here are the ones that they're gonna they're gonna carry with the rest of the way. I mean, I say that whenever all of a sudden RJ McGee comes in the game. We haven't seen Trey Miller for at least three or four games now. So it's almost like RJ would be coming in for over Trey at the end of this one. But this is the set eight that we've been talking about. Uh X and uh Troy with 40 minutes apiece. Um but massive, massive. Kennard and Jarrett, the highest plus minus is on the team. And we outdid them in the paint. Did them points uh, we outdid them in uh, points off turnovers. Uh, not a whole lot of second chance points in this game, but yeah, the bench eighteen to five, and that just proves why the Sycamores could be the death of them by the end is not having a good bench. But we know Jason Kent would have mattered at the end of this. So obviously a massive, massive game. It got people all around the country posting about it, just saying that we beat them. Let alone the fact that of course a lot of them are saying it because Indiana State lost, who was ranked, and talk about their whole. Uh, you know, tournament aspirations and at-large aspirations and everything. Uh, and the post that I've, I've always said I was craving is if you can beat a ranked team, it gets the March Madness Twitter account to post about you. And that's something I've always wanted. It came to fruition. Again, a lot of people were talking about it. So incredible win, incredible uh, clutch and whatever plays. There was a quote from Brian I wanted to read uh, real fast that <clears throat> because what we've been saying about the style of play and philosophically, he said, what we do works, it works at the highest level. And when we play like that, we can beat anybody. And we know he says that in the, you know, the post game in the locker room and everything else all the time. And, you know, clearly if, if I say, if most teams play their best, they can beat anybody. Imagine what Indiana state's best is. We've seen it a lot. A lot of teams play their best. They beat a lot of people. So clearly our way definitely is that way. So we'll see what they can do the rest of the way, but, and, you know, high, only Sycamore is only 69 points. It's crazy. You're holding well below their norm. So see what they got moving forward. Noah, let's talk about the other games that happened. Couldn't get some help from one uh, team in particular. Uh, and in an in interesting game that was a, was a blowout, and then it wasn't, and then it ended up becoming one. We were definitely scoreboard watching on that Sunday with a lot of other sports things going on in the world. But it was a fun uh, Sunday this past weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, there, we got, we didn't get any help on Saturday either. We didn't expect it, but Valpo went on the road down to Springfield and lost to the Missouri state bears, 82, 74 
Um, Chance Moore had 25 points in this one to lead the way for the Bears. Um, he was they were without Austin Mason. They've been having a flu bug go around Missouri State, and they finally, instead of letting a guy come, oh, you can come off the bench and battle through it, play a couple minutes. They finally said, all right, stay home, and we'll see if we can get this bug out of our locker room. Hopefully that does gets it there for them because it's been going around. I feel like every other game or every game it's someone different. But Chance was big time for them. N.J. Benson had a good night as well for the Beacons. Um, they were led by Isaiah Stafford, 24 points, four steals. Schweiger had 22 points for them as well. So two guys over 20 points, doesn't get the job done, but a close loss for the Beacons. And on Sunday, Murray State went up to play Drake, but it, it was a blowout from the from the get-go. 95-72 win for the Bulldogs. Um, Keith Overton, the freshman of the week, 23 points in. He was 8 of 11 shooting, 5 for 8 from deep. Tucker had 22 as well. Anton Wright only had 12. Um, so Drake made 17 of 33 pointers in this game. Quincy Anderson, a guy that we're going to have to key on tomorrow night. Uh, 22 points for them. Jacoby Wood, 16 for Murray State. So Quincy continues to lead the way for the racers. Um, and they were without Brian Moore once again. So that's a that's another another thing. I don't think Steve was asked about him yesterday on the teleconference that I can remember. So um, that's one to once we get there early, if we see something or hear something on the radio on the way over, um, we may tweet out because that's a that's a big loss if no Brian Moore for them because that's a lot of scoring off the bench or when he starts as well. Belmont on the road at UIC. Belmont continues to go on a hot run. They blow out UIC on the road, which seems like nobody's done so far this year. 75-60. Um, Kate Tyson, 18 points. Gillespie, 17. Diaz, 17. Keyshawn Davidson at 13, 9, and 6. So just a lot of guys stepping up. Rodgers had a nice game off the bench for UIC. Okani, 17. Rivera struggled shooting 415, 2 of 9 from 3. Did have 12 points. Brownell had 10 off the bench for the Flames. So they fall at home. Um, Bradley on the road at Northern Iowa. This was a game where you and I was up 44-26 at halftime. Bradley battles back like they always do. Um, I thought they were going to come back and make it look like a 2.0 like they did to us when we were on our home home court and they came back but J ben jacobson does not and the that kind of program does not do that uh, bowen born at 12 hudson 14 and 7 was really good heist 11 points they had landon wolf starting to play more eight points off the bench he's starting to look like his old self titan had 10 and 12 for bradley hickman at 22 uh malavi had 16 christian davis only had two He's starting back in the starting lineup for them. Um, Wardle said they're trying to find that fifth guy so they can start games better. Um, Christian Davis is not the answer to that. So maybe try Atlas in again, or they've tried Birch, maybe something else, but not sure exactly what's going on with the Braves right then and there. Then another good game, Illinois State hosted Evansville, 86-79 win for the Birds. They win another one. Again, two in a row for them coming off their Indiana State win, so they look to build on that tomorrow night. But Ben Hummerkaus had 21 for the Aces. 
Um, but for the Redbirds, it was fought Miles Foster, 20 points, Poindexter, 27. He was six of 10 from three. Kinzinger had 18 with seven assists. Kazabuke had 12. It was senior night. They were still without Burford and uh, Lee. Burford's out of the boot. Peden did say. So we'll see how he could be playing tomorrow night. Then look ahead tomorrow night's games. All at 7 p.m., so it sucks, but we will be scoreboard watching while our game is going on. Belmont, the hot Bruins, go on the road and play Drake. They beat the crap out of Drake at home um, like they do a lot of teams like they did to us. Drake favored by 9.5. I will take the plus. Bruins on the road and the way they're playing with Gillespie back. They That should be a really good game. Evansville on the road at UIC. Flames favored by 2.5. I think Evansville could steal that on the road, but UIC could protect home court like they usually are pretty good at it. UNI at Illinois State, Redbirds favored by one. This is one where we would love some help by the Redbirds. Um, we know UIC helped us against UNI um, a couple weeks ago, so hopefully another in-state team can help us out against the Panthers. Bradley on the road at Missouri State, that's an interesting one where I think looking at looking at standings, if even though we would like to see Missouri State win, um, they're two and a half point underdogs. If Missouri State wins, we would, and if we won, we'd be closer right there with Bradley for that third spot. But I think if you root for Bradley, I was talking with one of my buddies today that if Bradley wins that one, that kind of seals up. We finish top six. That moves Missouri State down another mat, another notch in the standings. So I can see it both ways, but. Should be a good game in Springfield. See if they got all guys back. Then Indiana State on the road at Valpo, 14.5-point favorites. Expect – had to be Valpo. They're in a tough spot because um, Indiana State coming off two-game skid is not what I want to see if I was them. So some good games, all 7 o'clock games, which sucks. We've talked about it, like the Tuesday, Wednesday, or if we could somehow disperse the start times, which we usually get Indiana State – they're an hour ahead. We usually get them a little earlier, but that's not the case tomorrow night. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, that's what they should have been doing probably all season long. But And then, you know, um, disparaging that, whatever days, whatever. But, um, yeah, those games, I mean, I can't believe you and I was up that high. And the fact that it shows Bradley has a lot of flaws. I mean, two bench points, you said it. They need that fifth guy, not Christian Davis. He had two points. And then Jonovic had their other two. Um, that's something that teams are going to end up, you know, they could fall for those reasons. You said their matchup with Missouri State. So, yeah, you know, if they lose, we're right, you know, right behind them for sure. And then if, you know, if we root for them to win, then it pushes and we're in the top six officially. But Bradley's hanging on by a thread, at, you know, here. And, you know, we play them in three games and we'll see how we go at their place. We never have success. So not a whole lot of teams do, but it just shows you need to get them while they're down on the road. But, of course, they couldn't come through. Um, and then I saw something crazy because Kenzie was, of course, was the player of the week. It's almost like if a freshman's player of the week, it needs to be freshman of the week and newcomer of the week. But uh, Illinois State, they posted a stat of his. He's the only freshman in NCAA Division One with around 48% from the field, 40 from three, 85 from the free throw line, and scoring at least 200 or more points. That's pretty insane. Uh, what a run that he's on for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, some of these other games, as you mentioned, uh, will be big Redbirds fans. Uh, hopefully Kinsinger can keep it, up, keep it up at home. And it's, you know, they had their senior night the game before, and then now they're at home again on a 
on a uh, you know a night game. So that's interesting. But yeah, rooting for Drake <clears throat> somehow to beat Belmont at home. Yeah, plus nine and a half. I mean, that's for sure what needs to happen. Belmont's playing too well to lose to get really get blown out the rest of the way of this season. I would say uh, they have it figured out. Uh, so yeah, good luck to the Beacons at home hosting those Sycamores. So yeah, some interesting games tomorrow. No doubt about it. We haven't moved in the net, but the, the biggest thing is is that Northern Iowa is only 10 spots behind us. So, again, you know, luckily we got the hard game, the really hard game we thought we'd have out of the way. You avoided a blowout. You somehow get the win. You don't move up. You don't move in the net for beating a top, at the time, 20 net team. You and I shoots up 10 spots after, you know, uh, blowing out, I guess, a top 60 team, but it's just weird. Uh, but the standings pretty much have remained. Obviously, Drake and Indian State are tied at the top, uh, but it should make for a, clearly some interesting uh, final four games, as we know, and we'll have a tough m- matchup with the Racers, as we know. And, oh, let's jump into those Racers. Three-and-a-half-point favorites tomorrow. I think that's maybe where we would have had around it. You know, they, they won two before they lost to Drake here recently. Uh, you said Brian Moore still hasn't been playing. It's almost like it's uh, – it's inevitable for those guys to play against us. We know Burford and them still didn't against us, et cetera. But we'll put it past it because that is an extra score and it, it, it makes Murray have to use other guys and just beat you in other different ways. So I think we have a great advantage there. Hopefully Brian doesn't play again. But we know what happened there, uh, you know, against his group at home last year. Noah, it was, it was fun. It's definitely a regional rivalry. And let's – I say we, we – push them a little bit further down to where they're fighting for to not be, uh, you know, in the eight, nine per se game, which it seems like where they're headed. They got to face the Sycamores if they win that first game, but let's push the racers down. Uh, I would like that a lot. What, what have they, what do they have obviously have to offer now at this point in the final regular season matchup? Yeah, this is definitely going to be a good one. I think um, it is going to be a wide out for Saluki fans. Um, I expect another good crowd. I know, I know it's around here. It's regional time for high school basketball. I know uh, our hometown Marion plays their rival Heron in first round of regionals. So I know a lot of a lot of guy a lot of people might not be going over there. So it could be a smaller crowd, but I expect a good one. I expect Murray to bring some fans. That's a thing I forgot to t- say about the Indiana State. They brought a heck of a fan base, and they brought their student section. Obviously, everybody loves a winner, so they like to travel when that happens, but. I think this is a good another good opportunity to come out and uh, see us take on, like I said, a, a rival. And um, yeah, speaking of Brian Moore doesn't play. He had 14 against us last last time out down there. That's a guy um, taking 14 points off the board. That's a different game, obviously down there. Um, we talked about Quincy Anderson. We kept him at bay. I mean, I guess it was probably AJ guarding him. He only he was one of six from the field, two points in that game. It's probably a season low. Uh, Rob Perry had 14. We let him get going way too easily in that game. Jacoby Wood had 14. With he's going to kill you with the float game. Did a really good, nice job um, on uh, their big man Nick Ellington. Only had eight points and six rebounds. Had him a little bit of foul trouble. So this is a game where I like us to defend home turf and hopefully build off um, that big win on Saturday. If I were to go to a dog of the game, um, I'm going to go with AJ Ferguson. He had 14 points last time out, and I, like I said, I think he was the one guarding Quincy, and that's a big-time opportunity if we can hold him to another 2.1 of six night. It's it's going to be good. I think we cover that spread. 
I agree too. And a whiteout makes it ever more fun making it an environment for this team. And knowing that Quincy, yeah, for sure was bad in the last game that he's it's point percentage wise, but he's leading the team in scoring overall for the season, as we know, and he's up for most improved team this year. He's been phenomenal. Um, yeah, we know what Jacoby can do. He's definitely improved over last year as well. Uh, Nick Ellington's really good in the paint, as we know. Rob Perry got so hot at the start of that last game. Didn't do anything in the second half. I mean, heck, they didn't do a whole lot of much in the last 10 minutes of the game or so. So, interesting game. They're not very deep. They've been playing um, um, Abadagoad, Malik Abadagoad, a center that they've had on their team that they barely used all season, that he could come in this game, make a certain impact, perhaps, you know. So I think it's a big game for our bigs because Ellington, you know, he's he's not going to be on probably a newcomer team knowing that, that position, but he's up for it, and he's had a really good year. Um, so, of course, they have guys to beat you, uh, but we should take care of business, and I really do expect to um, <clears throat> not only, have, you know, keep avenging, you know, coming back 20 points, but knowing – that how it was last year. I think the dog pound is going to show up for this game even more as well, too. So uh, excited to get back to the game and watch this one. It's almost like I should sit at home because they, they're 2-0 when I haven't gone to games this year. Uh, but for sure, we'll be there. It should be fun. Uh, they have a lot to offer, but so do we. Capitalize off of, the, off of that win, especially at home still. Before you go back, you know, two straight road games after this one that are not easy before the biggest game of the season in terms of, you know, seeding and everything. As we know, against the Panthers, that final game of the season will be scoreboard watching, but of course we'll be zoned in to hopefully a dub covering that three-and-a-half spread. As we said, I will go with Scotty Abube as dog of the game, getting around 10 points with Ellington and with that backup center, uh, see if our size can be good and beat the racers tomorrow night. So hopefully everybody else shows out as well. For Nick Malone. No alerts. Let's capitalize. Let's keep it going. Go dogs.